Welcome to Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And we're coming to you from our 2022 annual fall conference from beautiful Colorado Springs. The weather has been fantastic. We're sitting here and we're looking out the window at a beautiful fall day and it's been bright sunshine. So it's a great way to kind of wind up the event. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Emily Bladel. She is the manager of contracts and legal affairs with American Company, and she's also the co-chair of the Legal Counsel Forum. And uh, Emily, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. You know, you guys have, I always talk to Charles, and I, Charles and I talk on, on uh, many times during the day. I, we have conversations about just arcane issues, uh, oddly enough, um, and uh he always talks about the legal counsel forum and and the fact that it's a it's really a two day marathon. I mean, it is. You guys really cover a lot. Um, for those who are not aware of the legal counsel forum and what it does, can you kind of give us an overview of 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 what you do and then also kind of the main topics of concern that you were addressing during the conference? Sure. So the Legal Counsel Forum is an opportunity for um, counsel from member firms and our outside legal partners to come together twice a year and for two days discuss the issues that keep us up at night. Mm -hmm. It can be anything from an employment law issue to how do you handle COVID-19 vaccine mandates to something like remote work. What does that look like? How do we adapt in this changing world? So we cover a huge array of topics and it's a wonderful resource because in addition to the two in-person meetings, we're all members of a listserv yeah. and it's a very active one. I don't know if it's the most active in ACEC, I like to think it is, <laughs> but um, it's a great tool because then you can reach out to those people, even if it's not during the meeting and say, hey, I need help. And you're pretty much guaranteed to get five to 10 helpful responses. That's great. So how many, about how large of the group is it? Um, so in person, we had about 70 in May wow. and a little bit smaller in the mm-hmm. fall conference typically. Yeah. So we we're right around 40. So about just about 40. half of what you see at the May conference. Yeah. And, uh, you know, issues basis, I guess, on the issues, you know, standpoint, I mean, is it largely uh, the majority of the, the member firms do domestic work? I mean, is it, is it domestic only or do you also talk about some international issues? That's a great question. And we do talk about international issues. Um, today, we actually spent a fair amount of time talking about international nomad work. So do we allow employees to travel abroad, to live abroad, to work abroad? What does that look like? What are the tax implications, legal implications, licensure? So we do delve into those issues when it's appropriate for the member firms involved. Out of curiosity, does FCPA ever come up? It didn't this meeting, but yeah. it has in the past. Yeah, it's always interesting because, you know, it's one of those things that I always try to try to figure out with my non-legal mind. You know, we talk a lot about technology and BIM and digital twinning and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And then uh, for firms doing work internationally, then that brings up that entire kind of realm of export law. And it's uh, it's not a topic that's talked about a lot. And I don't know, it's it's, it's just something that always stuck in my mind if that ever came up at the legal counsel forum or in any kind of forum. It can. I think it's more likely you would see that on the listserv and yeah. not so much in the in-person in the discussions. In-person. Unfortunately, one limitation of the format is we have a packed agenda. You can only devote so much time to each <laughs> of the topics. I can imagine, yeah. And a truly deep dive into FCPA and export law would take days. Mm-hmm. And so for that type of thing, I think people are reaching out to each other directly one-on-one instead of in the forum. You know, one of the issues that we're hearing a lot from the MOs, of course, is indemnification and duty to defend. Um, I, I would imagine that came up as a topic of conversation. 
It wouldn't surprise you to hear it does yeah. every single time yeah. that we meet. Uh, you know, we are we are right now actually engaged with a, a creative firm to develop two videos, uh, very short informational videos, the kind of things that you see, which are, you know, you take a very complex topic and you try to boil it down to its essence and, and make it understandable for a non-legal audience. Um, you know, how valuable do you think an asset like that would be? for clients or, or even member firms to understand the issue of themselves. I think it would be wonderful. It's a topic that's certainly difficult for an engineer to understand. If, if I were to hand one of my engineers a contract document without training them and say, here's the indemnification clause, good luck, yeah. that wouldn't be fair to the engineer. And so a resource like that sounds like a wonderful introductory tool to help educate not only clients, but the staff that we work with every single day. You hear that, Charles? That's an endorsement. So we got to get working on that when we get back to D.C. Um, outside of, I mean, are, are, what are the other issues that you got to, you know, broadly, uh, what was the hot topic, you know, going on today? Um, so contract clauses were probably the big topic, indemnification, yeah. defense obligations. And then we're fortunate at the fall conference to benefit from um, insurance partners coming into the forum and sharing with us market trends, claim trends. A big one that we talked about today was cyber liability changes yeah. in, in that arena as far as insurance coverage goes and what that'll look like for 2023. Yeah. And I, you know, I would imagine that being part of the forum is significantly important, especially for smaller firms that might not have... They might not have a general counsel on staff. They might have outside counsel that kind of operates as their, you know, de facto general counsel and allowing the smaller firms to have the same kind of access to the legal information that a larger firm would have with more of a, a larger GC, con you know, office within their firm. Um, you know, what's the breakdown that you find is, as far as firm size within the forum? So you're right that the smaller firms, I don't think, are typically as represented in the legal counsel forum. I don't know from a hard dollar perspective and revenue-wise what that yeah. looks like, but there's typically 30 to 35 in-house counsel, and then we're supplemented after the initial session with outside general counsel and outside legal partners. And so when we get to that 70 number, probably about half are in-house and half are outside who also work with the smaller law firm, yeah. or smaller engineering firms, excuse me. Yeah. And so they provide a benefit to them as well, in addition to helping guide us through our conversations. When you talk about cyber uh, liability, when you talk about these emerging issues, it's it's really interesting because it is kind of a gray zone mm -hmm. to a large extent. Um, you know, how's the forum helping kind of chart that course and in trying to influence the, you know, the growth of, you know, legal thinking on those issues? It's, it's a tough question because cyber liability feels like the Wild West to me. Yeah. There's so much that's changing and so fast. And so how can we keep up? But one thing that we do make sure we do is discuss best practices and what that should look like as an industry to some extent. Yeah. So is it appropriate, for example, to require multi-factor authentication? And you know, there's a general consensus you're not getting insurance coverage without it at this point, unless you're a legacy client. Yeah. And so there are some things where it's it's becoming the industry norm very quickly. And so pointing that out to the member firms so they understand that and can take that back mm -hmm. to their chief technology officer, to their in-house IT department and say, are we doing these things? If not, how do we get on the path to do them and protect the firm? And you know, that was a, that's a good point that you raised that the information that you come back here, you go back and you take it to your CIO or you take it to any of the other heads, you know, your, if you have a, a, a human resources officer or, or what have you. And that's kind of the nature of the forums, right? I mean, you have, you have the legal counsel forum, you have the uh, IT forum, 
the finance forum, all of those groups that are kind of meeting together, sharing information, right? In your mind and experience, you know, as, as co-chair, how, is it, how important is it to have those groups kind of trading information? I think it can be very helpful. We do, I think, the most with the risk management committee. We have a liaison who's currently chair of the risk management committee, and she also sits in the legal counsel forum. And so she'll update us on what the risk management committee discusses. And going forward, we'll also provide a similar summary brief back to the risk management committee. There's always a bit of a timing issue because we're sequestered away for two days during the conference. So it can be difficult to provide timely communication, I think, across the forums. I think that's a challenge that we could look at. Yeah. I think there's a lot we could do there with the communities on the website. We're redeveloping the website from the ground up, and I think maybe we can find a way that we can create that cohesion a little bit better between the groups. Um, But, yeah, you know, anything else that you want uh, the audience to know about Legal Counsel Forum? Uh, it is it is a closed forum, yeah. so you do have to apply and then and it's not a, a complicated process, but you have to confirm you're either corporate counsel or associated with an outside legal firm that is sponsored by a member firm. And it's because we think that creates a more open environment where people are more comfortable sharing the issues that keep us up at night. And so from that perspective, there is a confidentiality obligation that does shroud some of what we discuss. Mm-hmm. But we're happy to talk with anyone who has any questions. There's there's never a doubt in my mind if you reach out to someone who participates in the forum and say, hey, I'm not legal counsel, but my company is dealing with X. Can yeah. you help? There's no doubt in my mind that we'd be happy to help. That's great. That's great. And especially I think that format really does serve a purpose because you are talking about things that require confidentiality and a light touch. So having that guardrail of somebody having an application being accepted and, and that, having that environment where you can have a free and frank conversation of things that are very sensitive mm-hmm. um, and privileged. Well, you can't go with privilege, but, you know, no, we don't yeah, go into you privilege, can't go but privilege but stuff. But, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. as far as confidential is very important. So um, if you are out there as a firm GC or um, if you are a, a law firm outside that does work within the engineering industry and wants to get more involved with ACEC, then please contact Emily or contact Charles Kim, our general counsel, to learn more about the Legal Counsel Forum. And Emily, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, and then again, this has been Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. We'll see you next time.